This is a story of famous dog. For the dog that chases its tail will be busy. He's a clapping dog. Rhythmic dog. Harmonic dog. House dog. Street dog. New theme Thursday and the theme for today is actually about the dogs. Specifically one dog. We're celebrating all dogs. Lou, it was his found day. Lou is our unofficial mascot. He is the uh, dog. The owner is Patrick and Patrick decides to celebrate Lou's found day by making him the focus of New Theme Thursday. So there you go. That's why all the songs are dog related and songs with dog in the title. And Atomic Dog might be the famous of all the dogs. Oh, James. yeah. All right. Here we go. Nothing but the dog catcher. You know who loves this song? Me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but kids love this song. Oh, yeah. Like little it's about kids, the dog. Because it, it, it is. It almost feels like a song that would be on like a Sesame Street yeah. or like some kid program, some child program. But it's not. I mean, people love that damn song. My and favorite Cars part is. It too. Oh, yeah, it goes. <laughs> Huckleberry Hound. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. Actually, National Dog Day was like last yeah, week or National something. Pet Day, I pet think. Day. National Pet Day was yes. last yeah. week. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, so we Ain't nobody posts no picture with no cat, though. I'll tell hey, you man, that, if man. If you have cats, you can post a picture on Respect Says <laughs> out with your cat or your dog. We'll celebrate that, too. I have, a, I have a neighbor that actually has his cat on a leash outside at times. What? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah, it got a problem. <laughs> I know mean, a cat likes to roam, I guess. No, you're supposed to let a cat roam. Let yeah. Cat, no, hey. obviously not if it's on a leash. I, I, I swear the cat's on a leash. <laughs> I, I have a picture of it, actually, because I have to take a picture of it to send to people. And it's like, man, I have a neighbor that keeps it. I hope the neighbor's not listening. Yeah, yeah. It ain't many. Or she. It ain't many people that keep their cat on a leash. It's got to be one per neighborhood. And <laughs> mine lives pretty close to me. <laughs> keeps a cat on a leash. Uh, but hey, man, each his own. You don't want to lose your cat. No That's doubt. your uh, companion. You gotta love that. I I actually dated a crazy cat lady, but she was hot. It was before See, she became a crazy cat lady. You always find an exception, right? No, no. I swear. Like this was when I had first came back to school after I was done in the league. I I met this little hottie, and I didn't know she was a crazy cat lady. I met I met this little hottie out, and then went back to her place. She had three cats inside the house, and four cats that lived outside the house. They were basically like her outside cats. So a total of seven cats. And she was how fast did you run? Late twenties, something like that. You 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 got out of there quick, right? It was a deal breaker. I mean, we we I mean we had some fun, but then no. I was going to say I couldn't take her seriously. You you were already a crazy cat lady before I meet you. You're in your twenties. Yeah. a crazy cat All right, lady. Rod, are you blocking this out? What was the smell? Uh, it was it wasn't great. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, I'm just saying because even if you want to be like she's the cleanest cat lady there is. I didn't know before I went over. She didn't talk. She said she had a cat. She had seven cats. It came up in conversation. One cat came up, but she didn't go into detail about the cats. No. Three were in the house, and she was feeding four outside. Yeah, I, now you got to say that stuff. Are you liable for murder and <laughs> asthma attacks and stuff? She, That's did, what I was she misrepresented say. herself, I think, a little bit and thought I'd be cool with it. She was. I mean, she was She was fine. But That's like the girl now fine. on her Tinder pick. You're like, oh, she got a cat. And then you're scrolling through your pictures like, they're all different cats. <laughs> you know, eight no, pictures, eight different cats. I don't. They all had names. I was like, oh, no, nah, you, you named them all. Them your cats. See, yeah. that was going to be my question to no, you. She named was them like, 
when you realized that this person was a cat lady Crazy in cat her lady. 20s. Mm-hmm. It was already happening. I was my biggest question was you must not have ever had allergies. No, I don't have allergies for that. I don't. That was Even amazing. right now, I don't. Yeah, That's I don't amazing. have amazing. That's actually one of God's gifts to me. I do not have allergies. I don't have to deal with that. Yeah, some no. people. I could also tell you, Wes, you smoked at the time. Because that's the only reason you couldn't smell the house. Uh, yes. Because you lose your sense of smell when you smoke. I just know sure. just because I'll at the time, a lot, of, a lot of cat people smoke. You can't tell how bad it smells when cats pee around the entire house. <laughs> <laughs> smells like <laughs> smells like cat litter and cat piss Great. the entire place. Okay. All right. Now you hate that. Look, I don't, I don't dislike cats. Yeah. I'm just saying two is like a lot smell. of cats. She- two, two is a lot of cats to keep hey. the smell down. Like and once you get over two, the smell is going to get exponentially worse. That's true. It's odorous. Yes, it, it is, is odorous. Yes, it, it is, is. odorous. Hey, uh, listen, the, I don't know what she's doing with her life now. I hope she's happy. I hope she found a crazy cat man. All right. They, they, now they got a house full of cats everywhere. Yep. But, I like got I said, Katie's seven, number still? She was like 28. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, was she, she like dating tw- Katie? Yeah, 20. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was like 28. She was, I said, she was, she was sexy though. Trust me. I said, but remember our, our conversation, crazy to hot ratio. Mm-hmm. Basically, she was really, really hot, and I, even for like a week, I was, I was, I was debating. Man, is she crazier than she is hot? Because she does have seven Speaking cats of. at twenty some years old. And then I decided, yep, she's crazier than she is hot. She has crossed the Vicky Mendoza diagonal, and at that point, you cannot deal with her once you deal with the hot to crazy ratio. And no. she stuff. puts you mean mayonnaise. this one right here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she, she, puts a, she puts a mayonnaise in her coffee like Will Levis, and yeah. you're like, I got to go. Yeah, you go. Nope. You know what I mean? Who knows? Might, might not. She might, you know, might, maybe got rid of some of those cats, and maybe she's now down to two cats. I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, let's talk Texas spring football, gentlemen. Let's get into this, and we'll continue this conversation, obviously, in Roger Rant of the day. Uh, but what are, your, what, are you, what are you most looking forward to? Uh, what are your expectations? What are you most looking forward to when it comes to the spring game? What's the mm-hmm. first thing you're going to be looking for? The young players. The young players. Be specific. Well, the young wide receiving group. I okay. want to see what a John Tag Cook looks like when he comes out there. I want to see what DeAndre Moore looks like. Um, I want to see what Quinn actually looks like. But, you know, everybody wants to talk about Arch Manning and the excitement of him. Malik Murphy, I, I, he's going to be on the field right after Quinn. Mm-hmm. So those are the players. But I definitely want to see the young wide receivers and, of course, Quinn yours. Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, it's it's Quinn. Yeah. I mean, it's I I hate to just be so obvious. <laughs> I mean, uh, and I wish I could give you you know something a little bit more intriguing because I no think everybody's reason. gonna be looking at it. But it's about Quinn Ewers to me and how he looks and how comfortable he is. This offense, the ceiling of this offense, uh, really is the ceiling of Quinn Ewers this season, and it really will track with his mm-hmm. development because I've been doing some numbers. I'm I'm not saying that. The running game, and I might, I'll probably get into this deep in Raj around the day. I'm not saying the running game is going to be, you know, bereft of explosivity. Um, but I do think there is going to be a regression in the run game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's going to be a drastic one, but there is going to be a regression in the running game. It may not even be noticeable depending on how prolific the passing game is, which is where your strengths are. So what I would like in this spring game is to be able to identify, you know what they call them in movies? They call them Easter eggs in movies, like little uh, Easter eggs. Basically, because you're not going to see a ton. Sark doesn't want to reveal a lot in the spring game, and we get it, because he doesn't want uh, to give the future opponents Mm -hmm. too much to try to game plan for. Uh, So I get that. But I still should be able to pick up on slight little small clues and hints, little Easter eggs, 
as to what the offensive identity of Texas is going to be next year. Just little tiny ones, because okay. I, I, okay. I know what to look for. Not everybody can see it. Trust me, and I'll come on the air, and then I'll break it down for you on the air, what I saw and what I observed. But I would like to be able to identify a couple of uh, what I – and I think the offensive identity, honestly, is going to start – it's going to be built around the passing game. That's where all your weapons are. Yep. J.T. Sanders, mm-hmm. X-Man, Jay Witt, Quinn Ewers, all of your – and your left tackle, by the way. He can do it all, but – He's a left tackle, so he's there primarily to protect, all right? You're a quarterback. Um, all those pieces, which are elite pieces, by the way, um, and all of them project to be some of the top players at their positions in college football this season, and you need them all performing at a high level, to me, that is where the identity of the offense is really going to be. Yeah. Last year, it was puts a, it was a, you know, puts a Bijan on yep, it with a yep. side of Rojo. Made perfect sense. This year, I don't know if that's going to be it. Right. That's a that's a good way of looking at it, and we have been talking about this for a while. When you replace those two types of players, it is definitely going to be different. We we saw the fact that he hid a lot. They, those two hid a lot of things. So why are we not spending more time on the conversation about the offensive line? You know what I'm saying? Because this is going to be a big growth spurt for them as well. Those, yep. those bookends we know are there, but what's going to happen – on the guards, in the center, who is going to take that mm. next step? Are you really ready to go that next level on that offensive yeah, line? Right. I think that is huge mm. because we just talked about it. They mm. broke a lot of tackles. Now can we create some lanes for these mm. other running backs where they can get to the next level by not having to break that many tackles? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess I might as well get into it now. We can continue talking in Rod around the day, but just doing the research that I've done just about how – elite and unique Bijan Robinson and Rojo were in terms of breaking tackles in mm-hmm. the running game, turning, you know, turning nothing into something. <laughs> uh, they did it a lot. And so here's a couple of numbers that I found. So if you look at yards per carry on perfectly blocked runs, these are all numbers from Pro Football Focus, Sports Information Solutions, and Football Insights. <clears throat> so I <clears throat> just kind of piecemealed everything together. So if you're looking at yards per carry on perfectly blocked runs, Bijan's at nine yards per carry on a perfectly blocked run. All right. Everything I, ideally perfectly. blocked. Everybody uh, hit their assignments. Uh, every gap, every uh, gap accounted for, uh, every defender accounted for, hat on a hat. So nine yards per carry. By the way, that's not even close to being the best number in the country. Zach Evans was at 9.5 on perfectly blocked runs. Devin A. Chain, 10.5 yards per carry on perfectly blocked runs. Tajay Spears, 11.7 yards per carry on perfectly blocked runs. Kendra Miller was at 12 yards per carry on perfectly blocked runs. You get it. Mm. Rojo's at 7.6, by the way. Um, but on, uh, on yards per carry, on runs that were not perfectly blocked, so missed assignments, right? missed blocks, blown assignments, Bijan Robinson's at five yards per carry on <laughs> on uh, yards per carry on runs that were not perfectly blocked, where there were missed assignments. So you're still getting five yards per carry out of that dude. Then hell, Rojo's at four point six yards per carry on runs that were not perfectly blocked. The only guys that were ahead of Bijan Robinson there were Tajay Spears at five point two. That's it. Mm. He was the best in the country on runs. On, I guess yards per carry Too on lame. runs that were not blocked. Yeah, that guy's special. Mm-hmm. Actually, he, he's pretty nice. Based he's on all the, nice. the deep yeah. dive, anal- the analytics love that dude. Yeah. Uh, only five, and we can get deeper into this too. But if you go pro football focus run blocking grades in 2022, 
So we take the 2022 group of running backs and those who are in the 2023 draft class. Bijan has basically pro football focused grades. He has run behind a pro football focus uh, grade for Texas offense line with a 58 um, this year. And it was at 73 and a 76 O-line grade total last year. Uh, sorry, 2021 and 2022. So Sorry, in 2020. So in 2022, the O-line actually regressed and their pro football focus grade was worse than it was in 2020 and in 2021. Which means Bijan and Rojo's job was much harder mm. in 2022 based on pro football focus grades because they were not getting um, adequate blocking up front. They were actually making more plays on their own, just running backs breaking tackles than the offensive line was providing holes, or opening up holes, I should say. The only running backs in the class who had offensive lines that were worse uh, based on pro football focus grades in 2022, were Keaton Mitchell, Zach Evans, and Tank Bixby. Jameer Gibbs actually had worse offensive lines that he ran behind in, at Georgia Tech, <laughs> but at Alabama, obviously, that was different. I was going to say that changed a lot, didn't it? And by the way, <laughs> yeah, you go look at percentage of design runs with a blown assignment in 2022. Texas is second in the Big 12 with percentage of design rushes with a blown blocking assignment. Actually, TCU was first. Mm. So it doesn't always translate to you, but being an inept offense. Um, and that's with Kelvin Banks only having a 0.7% blown blocking assignment uh, rate, which is the best in the Big 12. So that's four of your five offensive linemen that are accounting for that because Kelvin Banks is in a league of his own. Yep. Texas led the country in yards after contact as a team. Oh, sorry, I take that back. They were second, second behind LSU. LSU was first at 3.69. Texas was second in yards after contact as a team, 3.66. Over the last four years, uh, if you look at running backs, the highest missed tackles forced per attempt, Bijan is second in the last four years. Rojo is fifth. First is Antonio Gibson. Third was Javante Williams. Fourth was Dwayne McBride. So what these numbers are essentially telling you, you go look, I mean, and Rojo, by the way, was better at Bijan in breaking tackles. Yeah. Rojo had the highest forced missed tackle rate in the country in college football the last two years. He was at 45% broken tackle rate. He actually averaged 4.28 yards after contact per carry. Bijan was at 4.17. Giving you all these numbers, Bijan, 5.8 yards per rush versus stacked boxes where you had more defenders than blockers. Bijan, sorry, Rojo, 57% of his rushes versus an eight-man box resulted in a first down or a touchdown. What I'm trying to say is, and these numbers back it up, those guys were elite mm-hmm. at breaking tackles. I'm talking about ridiculous. Like the last 10 years, they would still be in the elite class of runners in, in regards to how they break tackles and how often they do it, with what frequency they do it. And I just throw your numbers, too, based on pro football focus numbers and some of Sports Info Solutions numbers. When you took those guys away and just considered the offensive line grades, Texas offensive line, in terms of run blocking grades, were not good. They were below average, Mm -hmm. subpar. So you take running backs who have elite yards after contact ability and tackle breaking ability with a subpar offensive line in run blocking. And that's what you had last year when you took those two entities away, Bijan and Rojo, in the bowl game. What did Texas 
end up rushing for? Nothing. Like less than three yards per yes. carry? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 our starting point. That's why I was saying about the offensive that's line. That's the starting point. It's like, okay, now let's see if with these more mature mm-hmm. linemen what they're capable of doing because of mm-hmm. the numbers that you just gave us and how Texas running game was discovered. Now it's like, okay, what else can we do to get better? So that's your starting point yeah. to your point. Your run your your run blocking or lack thereof was exposed in that Washington mm-hmm. game without Bijan and Rojo. So essentially now we gotta see the running game without the training wheels of Bijan and Rojo, which means the run game will need a schematic, tactical, and strategic advantage. Often probably philosophical too, but you're gonna need that advantage. And you can you can only do that through creativity and innovation. And for some reason, Sark did not get in his bag in that bowl game versus Washington. There was not a lot of creativity and innovation. We know Sark has it. We know Sark can yes, do it. Yes, we do. But when he allows Coach Steven to call the game instead of Sark, then we get the very lackluster, bland, run game plan that we got versus Washington. You cannot allow that to happen this next season coming up without Bijan Rojo. Expect for your run game to regress unless you infuse it with tons of creativity and innovation. And right. I know he's got it. He's got to get in his bag this offseason. He has to get in his it. bag this offseason. No matter how good C.J. Baxter is, no matter how good – um, Jonathan Brooks is. I think those guys are going to be great. I think those guys will probably play in the NFL one day. They are not even close and will not be anything close to what Bijan and Rojo were last year. Not anytime soon. Okay, so let me ask you this. Because of what we heard yesterday mm-hmm. during the, um, the pivot and, of course, what he said with uh, Jeff and Light the Tower crew, Jeff and Craig, do you feel that this might be the best version? Are we expecting the best version of Sark? Because he feels more comfortable with his quarterback. He obviously feels comfortable with his wide receiver room. And he's gonna he's leaning more towards the throwing aspect of the game because he said that himself. He said we maybe maybe we have to throw a little bit more than what we ran. But he did say, I've always had a thousand yard rusher. So we can look at him and say, okay. This is going to be your biggest challenge, wouldn't you think? Because of the youth and inexperience in the running back room, for him to achieve that, the offensive line has to be up to par. Um, no, I mean, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, you're going to play 13 games. I mean, if you if you if you got a guy you consider a bell cow, I mean, we can divide up the numbers, but you got, yeah. I can divide up. But yeah, I mean, that's what seventy some yards. Guess not. I mean, I'm saying it's not. No, no, yeah. you got to be a a workhorse bell cow to get that. So it's thousand yard. I know his his thousand yard milestone is important to him. Um, and it, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having that as a you know as a goal. Um, but for me, I think we should. <clears throat> I would focus on more what the identity of the offense is, and the identity should be what you do as well, if not better than everybody else. What can you hang your hat on? And yeah. we know I don't think it's going to be the running game. I no. think last year was going to be the running game. This year, I think it actually is going to be the passing game. Now, the conundrum for you is if it's going to be the passing game, you cannot allow your quarterback to regress. Mm-hmm. You must keep your quarterback com- comfortable and confident. I Constantly. Like I like Sorry it. to use all these C words. No, that's but, good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry for all the alliteration. But you got to keep it that way. If you if you allowed him to start to regress and then start to panic and then he becomes insecure as a quarterback, then we saw what we saw last year from him. And then you're not going to have Bijan and Rojo to lean on and go, all right, you know what? Uh, you know what? Put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo. Yeah, I can't it's, do that, right? It's, it's, it's the cure all for every day. I'm thinking that ills our offense or our team. And it yeah. was. Yeah. You don't have it this year. You don't have it. 
So you're going to have to figure out a way to pull this offense out of a slump or in the slump or if you have an insecure quarterback who's not in a rhythm to get him in a rhythm. And most of that there is, in my opinion, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game. Mm-hmm. I think you start with the quick game. You don't chase the deep ball. I always say it's like chasing waterfalls. TLC told us, don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers all right, and the lakes <laughs> that you're used to. So the rivers and the lakes, that's your short game, that's your quick game, and that's your intermediate game. Stick there. Yep. All right, because you've got enough weapons, in my opinion, schematically, formationally, to stress teams with all of those weapons. I think it'll open up the run game. What you had last year was everybody basically built their entire defensive game plan to stop Bijan and Rojo. You had to. Right. You, I mean, you're an idiot not to. Because those guys were the marquee featured pieces of Sark's offense last year. This year, it's not going to be the running game. So I don't even know if you're going to see the loaded boxes like you did last year, early right. on. I would honestly, I'm dropping my safeties back early on. I'm doubling X Man, doubling JT Sanders to start the season. Quick game, quick game, quick game. There you go. So, I, and I, I wonder. And if you're playing back, then you will be able to run the ball. Exactly. Yep, you will get those numbers that yeah. you have been talking about. I think yep. you'll, you'll get some of that naturally in the running game because mm-hmm. I think teams will be adjusting to stopping your strength, which I think is going to be the passing game. Yeah. I mean, you look at it. I like and, it. Okay, so coming up, we'll talk more about the spring game, predictions, expectations, what we're looking for uh, on offense and on defense. And there is one player that I cannot wait to see at the spring game. He, we may not see him a lot. As a matter of fact, we may not need to see him at all. Uh, but it'd be really interesting to see what uh, different ideas that Sark's throwing around on how to utilize and weaponize certain players. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 I'm as mad as hell. And I'm not gonna take this anymore! Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real! My God! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, what's up? Leslie, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Time for Rod's rant today. I want to continue our conversation about Texas football. Uh, there are a couple of players that I really am excited to see. Uh, and offensively, I think it starts with a player that's probably been the most talked about player on offense, actually, outside of the quarterbacks, and that's Savion Red. I want to see Savion Red. The pictures of Savion Red, mm-hmm. it looks like he's bulked up. All the reports are that Savion Red, uh, that he's got some power so that you can, he's a, like a true running back. Even though he's switching from wide receiver to running back, he's actually got some running back power. And we know he's got, you know, he's got some, some quicks. Uh, he's got some twitchiness, if you will, uh, when he gets on the perimeter because he did play wide receiver. And even though Stark will not say the term, he won't say the words, even though he seems to be building his roster, constructing his roster to emphasize this philosophy and even some of the moves, the Savion Red move uh, most, uh, in my opinion probably most notably, is a move that says positionless football and it does seem to hint that he is embracing some kind of positionless football and you guys know I've been saying on this show for the last, you know, probably not more than five years, the future of football is positionless football it's going to take everybody else a mm. while to catch on and my man Shannon is probably the, he majors in it better than anybody in the NFL offensively, defensively I was told you, Dan Quinn majors in it better than anybody in the NFL defensively and, and Sark has had both of them mm. at his coaching clinics to speak so I know he's on to this. It, it's staring him in the face. It's like the new theme Thursday was lose, uh, you know, it, it was lose found day. And Harge and I couldn't figure it out for an hour. And it was like, well, we've been talking about it all day. <laughs> it's lose. It's lose found day. I yep. feel like positionless football is staring 
Sark in the face. Mm. And he's got several pieces that can help him kind of see this vision come to fruition and materialize on the field. And Savion Red is a big part of it. Now, I wasn't sure if Savion Red, the move to uh, to him, uh, the move to put him at running back instead of wide receiver was to push him off the roster to make room or was indeed him embracing some form of positionless football. I think it may be the latter. He won't say the term. If he ever says it, you know, I'm going to let you oh, guys I was know. Say, you're going to bring it up. He won't say it. But from telling you, if he starts moving around Jay Witt, now like I said, you may, you're not going to see this in the spring game. All right, but like I said, this gets back to my rant about I want to see Savion Red. Now, will he move Savion Red around? Could we see some funky stuff with Savion Red in the slot, uh, in the backfield, then motion to the slot, or start him off in the slot, or start him off out wide, motion him back into the backfield? Could we see some of that? Oh, we definitely could. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really showing your hand. That's just using some of the you know basic cheat codes and concepts that Sark likes to use. Um, so I, I could see that. But uh, if he starts moving around Jay Witt, last year I think I saw Jay Witt in the back field one time one time he put in backfield mm. now he put x-man in the backfield too one time he tried to trick us though with it he did now that's a yep. form that's a, that's a form of positionless football just making your positions a little bit more interchangeable the flex the fluidity all right of being able to move different guys around in different positions but he's got multiple players whether it be Savion red now or it be keelan robinson who's also kind of a hybrid player for him we talked about jay witt for years we've been waiting to see jay witt used as a hybrid player remember tom herman famously Recruited him as the H. Remember the H yep. position? Mm-hmm. Remember all the remember the H position where you had Devin Duvernay playing the H? Jake Smith was recruited to play the H mm-hmm. and Jay Witt. Tom Herman was way ahead of his time with positionless football. The problem was he would never implement it. You know what the H stood for? Hybrid. I'm not joking. It actually stood for hybrid. And Devin Duvernay and Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith, they all played this position that was called a hybrid position. And yet he would never hybridize. I was going to say, they ne- yeah, they they were they were just out there to be a decoy, basically. Right? And it's like, so what yeah. are we doing? Why are you yeah. name him a hybrid and never hybridize the guy? Yeah. So I think for Sark, you might see some of these players hybridize uh, conceptually, and I do want to see if maybe there are some 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 Easter eggs, some clues, some hints like as it. to him doing that in the spring game. And Savion Red obviously will be a big part of that. Uh, and also another guy who can you can use pos- in a positionless manner would be J.T. Sanders. Talked about this yesterday, man. And I don't know how much you're going to see of J.T. Sanders. Honestly, you don't need to see J.T. Sanders. You don't need to see him at all. You might see him for a series right. if they bring it out like a real game. But he's got a chance to be special this year. And honestly, if I'm Sark, and it, no BS here, I know Sark's not going to do it. But early on, I would build my passing game around J.T. Sanders instead of X-Men. And that's, that's not saying you're going to, you know, that's not saying you're going to uh, use left or, or target X-Man fewer times right. or you're going to um, you know, give him the ball less or feature him less. Not saying that at all. I'm just saying in terms of the the early passing game plan, your scripted plays early on. Remember, yep. remember how adamant Sark would be and how intentional he was, deliberate he was about getting the ball to X-Man within those scripted plays early on. I mean, you it was it was obvious. So he's 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 force feeding the football to X-Man. And teams do that too. And obviously they would roll coverage, double X-Man, and they would try to take him away as much as possible. And we know, obviously, with the, the hurt hand and everything, that kind of blew up in Texas' face. I say early on in your scripted plays, man, you need to start featuring J.T. Sanders. The truth is, J.T. Sanders is more likely to end up with a matchup advantage uh, most of the time um, than X-Man. 
I mean, you're more likely to end up with a mitre advantage with him on a safety or a linebacker that can't cover him um, more so than X-Men who have a lot of times the top corner is going to take X-Men if they can move him around and shadow him and they'll roll a safety over the top of him. It's just going to be easier to feature and to scheme open JT Sanders than X-Men. We know this. Go look at the NFL. Everybody wonders why Travis Kelsey is always so wide open. Travis Kelsey is always so wide open because it's impossible to take him away because there are so many different places to hide him within the structure of the offense. You can put him in a slot. You can flex him. You can put him out wide. You can put him in the backfield. You can put him as an H-back. You can turn him into a fullback. You can make him an inline tight end. doesn't matter. Wherever you're weak, I can put Kelsey there. Right. That's what you can do with J.T. Sanders. Wherever they're weak, and they're, they're going to be weak <laughs> in multiple spots, just find it and put J.T. Sanders there. And once they adjust, they'll leave themselves vulnerable and exposed elsewhere. And that's why, to me, I start the game plan, at least the passing game plan early on, with getting J.T. Sanders involved. Because mm. when they try to take him away with that safety over the top, they're going to leave X-Man and Jay Witt, Jontae Cook alone, Isaiah Nate, you're alone on the outside trying to double-team that guy inside. And let's say they double-team him and they want to take away X-Man. Great, because you know what that means? You got numbers. There are only 11 guys, so you can only double-team two guys at a time. <laughs> so you double-teaming two, that means we got three guys that's in one-on-one coverage. We'll take that. Matter of fact, they're in zero coverage. Take away one-on-one. They're in zero coverage. We'll take that all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. So, if, and I, I think this will lead to J.T. Sanders probably having the greatest season a tight end's ever had at the University of Texas if Sark decides to feature him in that way. Now, in the tight end position has been an endangered species on the Fort Acres for a long time. So most Longhorn fans, you know, they go back to 2004. Like 2004 to 2007 when they saw an offense not only feature a tight end, um, but be able to weaponize a tight end within that offense. You just hadn't seen it in a long time. J.T. Sanders is the first one in a long time. It's been an endangered species on the 40 acres. It really has been. And it kind of, I was actually reading a random article about endangered species a couple of weeks ago. It was about the gray wolf in Yellowstone Park. The gray wolf was eradicated in Yellowstone Park like in the like 1920s and 30s. They, uh, via conservation um, act and, and, and some type of uh, conservation legislation, they actually brought it back and reintroduced it into Yellowstone Park in like 1995. And a lot of these uh, scientists, these different uh, biologists, they have to figure out what they call the cascading effect. Essentially, whenever a species is removed or disappears or is, is reintroduced into an ecosystem, um, they try to figure out how it was incomplete or inadequate and what the effects are, what the butterfly effect, the ripple effect is of that species now being introduced or taken away from that ecosystem. And they were talking about the gray wolf, and it was fascinating. So basically, without wolves, the coyotes kind of took over Yellowstone Park, and so did the elk, and the elk population exploded. And they started overgrazing on like these willows. Willow patches are really important, willows and aspens, because without those willows and aspens, the, the, the beavers, that's what they use to build a lot of their dams. Mm-hmm. And the dams actually are homes to a lot of songbirds and basically and a lot of other different types of species depend on these uh, these beavers building their dams. And those dams actually uh, work to create shade that cools off the water hmm. so the water temperatures were rising too much which was killing some of the the the, the life inside the the different water uh like the entities like the rivers and the lakes it was killing a lot of the animals because in the rivers the water temperature was actually rising 
crazy stuff. Like it just basically all of the different ecosystems were all interconnected and very complex. They didn't understand this for a really long time. Then they figured it out like, oh, man, wolves are important because not only do they kill the elk, they force the elk to graze. So the elk don't just stay in one place and eat on all Mm -hmm. the willows. And then and then basically all the carcasses that the wolves left out, they found out that basically there were entire ecosystems that lived off the carcasses, the scavengers. Whether it be ravens, eagles, uh, you know, wolverines, beetles, and different scavengers. So it was fascinating. Anyway, way too boring, and I'm sorry I, I spent way too much time on it. My point is, if J.T. Sanders is indeed the endangered species that I've been speaking about at the tight end position for Texas, then just like that wolf is interconnected with all the other species in its ecosystem and they all are benefiting and there is this kind of, uh, you know, the symbiosis taking place in that ecosystem, the same thing is true for the tight end position. It is interconnected with all the other positions on the 40 acres. And you could argue it it affects the pass pro. Texas not having a really mm-hmm. good tight end. It affects their run game blocking. Uh, it affects the uh, the link between the pro uh, philosophy and your spread ideologies. It's also the easiest position to weaponize uh, in terms of positionless football. If you're going to recruit other tight ends, this is kind of where the stall happened too. You're not going to recruit great tight ends until you get a good tight end. A good tight end is not going to want to go to your school unless you already got a good tight end there and they, as an example of how they can be utilized. So that's also something that was hurting Texas in kind of this cycle of tight end recruiting. Either way, <clears throat> now you've broken that cycle. you got your 5-2 tight end. It is no longer an endangered species on the 40 acres. And JT Sanders has a chance to be the greatest tight end in the history of Texas football. And also, he can be a doorway into positionless football for Sark as well. And it's gonna it's definitely something that everybody's gonna be looking at because that's why when people were talking about Deuce Robinson, yeah, he was the kid that ended up. I think he's gonna go ahead and I think he committed to USC, but he was another guy that was a big, long, tall, uh, tight end that was looking at JT Sanders as somebody that he can implement. I mean, Mm -hmm. that he can emulate. He could be that exact same guy, but now you got to try to find some other guys to fill in that void because he was the one that they were looking at. So I agree with you about the tight end position. Oh, man. it's gone. I can't wait to see how Sark uses it. Did you remember Sark said out of his mouth the second most important position in his offense behind quarterback was tight end. Wasn't made up. We didn't just come in. He said it. that. Yeah. Your word, Sark. So hopefully – uh, JT Sanders can do to the, for the Texas offense what the Gray Wolf did yeah. for the Yellowstone ecosystem. There you go. G- Bring it wolf. back to life. Bring, make it vibrant again. I don't know if you want to be around them Gray Wolves. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm around that, but that, 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 that article was fascinating, though. It really was. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll come back. We'll get into a little bit off the record. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, one four nine one. The Horde. Oh, man. It is a new theme Thursday. Uh, that's the win. My man Patrick plays jams that lead us uh, to the new theme of the day uh, based on the clues and hints that we gather from those selections. And today, it's all about the dogs. We need more dogs. Hey, we need, why you should Not play no that cats. one? Not no cats. We need to play that. We need to find that, that drop. We need more dogs. Have you ever heard that, Patrick? What's that from? There was a coach yes. who was with uh, Coastal Carolina. 
Damn, good job, good memory. Oh yeah, good memory. Carolina. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the coach's name. He's actually he has a coach for a long time, yeah, like decades yeah. plus. Yeah. And he went on a rant one day, and he went on a rant about how basically all of his players are they're too vain. They're worried about how they look, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They're basically too metrosexual for him. And he's like, "Man, I need some dogs." And honestly, I believe that's where the, this saying comes from. I've been allowed this saying, man, he got that dog in him. Yeah. It might be from this guy at this coast in Coastal Carolina. I'm going to send it to you right now, Patrick. It right. might be from him because he's like, we need more dogs. And he tells a story about his dog named Bo. Yeah. And he's sitting on the porch. And he's sitting on the porch. Oh, it's a great, it's oh, yeah. a great. And you got it now. Just it's one of the it to all-time you. greatest rants in the history of sports. Coach and Bennett it, is his name. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. And he, he's basically, it's an homage to dogs. Yeah. And he's like, I'm tired of all these dudes acting like some cats. They're in there in the mirror, making sure yeah. they think they're their towels. We need some more dogs. We need some more dogs. We don't need no here. cats. And I don't even want dogs. I want some wolves out there. We need yeah. some wolves out there, man. Like Yellowstone. All right. Uh, there you go. No, we're going to play that because that is a great rant yeah. about need more dogs. Um, anyway, that's not what we're laughing about in the break. We can't tell you about what we're laughing about in the break because no. some of y'all don't got it. Yeah, some of y'all's sense of humor is all what? How did CB find it that quick? As soon as you said it, he already Come sent on, it to CB. us. Come on, CB. CB's too good. Uh, yeah. he, he is Do too, my job for me. Exactly. And he, you know he sent it earlier because it takes a while to go through. Yeah. <laughs> too good. So, I mean, you just got it. I mean, CB sent it like two minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. While we were mid-conversation talking about it, it is a great rant. So we'll replay that rant for you. Have some fun on the other side. Yesterday, I don't know if you heard on your way out, we heard you played your Charlie, I did. Charlie Strong I did. Cup. I heard it. I hey. started laughing mm-hmm. right away because Social I was media. like, it's a downfall. Downfall society. And I mean that. Remember <laughs> that. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> oh, Charlie wasn't right about a lot. He's right about, he's right about that. Yeah. Uh, okay, real quick. We don't have a ton of time. How about this? Colt McCoy jumping into the broadcast booth. You guys see this story? Yeah. This is amazing. NBC, this is great. NBC is going to hire Cole McCoy as a USFL analyst. Smart. That is great. Good for Cole. I like that Good Cole practice McCoy. practice time right now. Yeah, he's been diversifying his skill set. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a yep. business owner. Still owes some of the Dunkin' Donuts, mm-hmm. I believe, right? Yes, he does. And now he's going to get into the broadcast booth. And, I, yeah, I, I've talked to Cole a couple of times. Cole can turn on the charm whenever he wants to turn on the charm. So, yeah. turn on, I'm sure. And he's still good looking. Yes, I haven't seen him in a while. I'm yeah, sure. he's still good. He's still, he's still, he's still he's good. Aging, he's aging out. He's, he's aging out. well. Yeah. He he's like got a, good condition. He ain't looking like an old leather bag, old haggard bag. When you got like that. that kind of money, you he make sure good, you huh? stay. You look good, man. <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, he's been doing great. So uh, congrats to Cole McCoy. He is going to be a USFL analyst. Uh, that news dropped earlier Love today. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually excited for him. Actually, I'm going to try to check that out. Um, I am. I haven't released like the schedule for him or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I'll try to find that out and let uh, all the folks know because I'm sure a lot of Longhorn fans will tune in to support Colt McCoy for everything that he's done. A legendary lifetime Longhorn. Um, okay. Uh, let's get into some. We'll get back into the play-in game reviews, but also we'll get into some Texas basketball discussion. There is some breaking news we must discuss as it relates to Texas basketball. Not necessarily good news, but not bad news either. Maybe it's just news. We'll have that on the other <laughs> side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, one hundred four nine the Horn.